it seems more and more people are having strange and horrifying encounters while out camping in Mother Nature. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Joining me today is my friend, Mr. Revenant. He helped me read one of these stories, and if you enjoy his voice, please be sure to subscribe and check out his channel. You can find the link to do so in the description down below. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories that'll keep you out of the woods. I took my super skeptic boyfriend on our first camping trip up to the Mount Adams area because I had heard some of the spooky UFO action up there. We had not been dating too long at this point. We saw some UFO action that defied his skeptic explanations in a dispersed spot, but nothing I hadn't seen before. Just the usual lights appearing out of nowhere, zipping along, and then disappearing. Lights appearing and joining up, then disappearing, that kind of thing. It was pretty satisfying to hear him say, yeah, I have no idea what that was. A few months later, we were camping with his dad and stepfather, who were both longtime veterans in the Forest Service. We mentioned the spots where we had camped and his stepdad, who is not a believer of anything like this. He said that Mount Adams Gifford Pinkett area had been his beat for years. Without any prompts from us, he said, We were supposed to be up there looking for camp thieves. We never caught any thieves but we saw a lot of weird stuff in the sky. When I pressed him for details, he got a little cagey about it, but did tell a creepy story about how these big black logging trucks with no lights would appear and steal lumber in the middle of the night. So he and his partner staked out one night to catch them. They were backed up into the bush and had to sit in complete silence to let the truck cool down so nobody would detect them with heat or night vision goggles. The back of the truck was deep in the bush meaning that only forest was behind them. Then, after over an hour of sitting in silence, these huge, bright lights appeared behind them, literally out of nowhere, from deep within the forest. They were so bright he could see the entire outline of the truck, the antenna, the spotlights, and their silhouettes in the shadow. This was in the early 1980s, so we're not talking LED lights here. He said he had never seen anything like it. Then the lights went out very suddenly, and everything was silent once again. No truck noise, no rustling in the forest behind him. I love the guy to death, but he has the imagination and personality of a potato. There's no way he made this up. That's why it's so creepy and believable to me. He had a few other creepy stories that I'd love to get more info on. There's no way he made this stuff up. This story is 100% true, and it takes place in Cincinnati, Ohio, specifically Clermont County. I'm a female, I'm 30 years young now, and this happened in 2006, so at the time I was 17, going on 18. My boyfriend, we will call him Martin, my friend we will call Alice, and her boyfriend, we will call Neil, are the ones involved in this unexplained event. So, for some background first. 
There is this abandoned cabin in the middle of the woods, and you can only get to it by walking about a mile one way. There are abandoned cars, an ambulance, some tractors, and other random vehicles like a short school bus, and they're all covered in gunshots. There is not even a path to drive a vehicle back there. If there was, we would be walking a one mile way to get there. So we're not sure how they even got there, or how long they've been there. My boyfriend and I had gone with two other friends previous to our encounter, and it was creepy, but not compared to what happened when we met with Alice and Neil. So on our previous trip, we went with our friends, Tracy and John. Tracy and I went upstairs and had a Ouija board. We just asked random stupid questions I can't even remember. What I do remember is it spelled out, hooey. We said goodbye on the board and were looking around upstairs, which was really just an attic. We found massive kid socks on the wall. It was really random and weird. We got startled when an alarm clock started ticking and wouldn't stop. So I smashed it to pieces and that was that. We walked downstairs where the boys were and made our way back outside. We found a creepy well that was covered up and then all of a sudden we heard that alarm clock start ticking again, but I know I had broken it, so that kind of spooked us, but nothing major. We saw an outdoor cellar and we went in, and there was a girl's child boot with a bone inside the shoe. So I was like, okay, we're done for today, let's go. My boyfriend and I were telling Alice and Neil about this cabin and what happened when Tracy and John came with us. We decided we were going to go out later that day. The day this encounter happened, Martin, Neil, Alice and I went to the lake, packed a cooler with food and stuff, and spent probably five hours or so at the lake, and ate, and just hung out. We left the lake, stopped at Alice and Neil's house, dropped the cooler off, which was in the trunk of the car. After getting everything out of the trunk from our lake trip, we headed to my boyfriend's parents' house, where we parked the car and began our walk home. We had flashlights, and that was it. The walk there was very uneventful. We had to walk through two huge drainage tunnels to get to this cabin as well. We made it there, and it wasn't dark out, but it seemed different this time. I'm not really sure how to explain it. It was just different, but we did come later in the day previously, so I was like, okay, whatever. Just like last time when we got inside, Alice and I were going to go upstairs. I wanted to show her the socks on the wall, and I also wanted to go check on that clock that I broke the last visit that I heard ticking outside previously. As we started to go up the stairs, it was a big crash, like something was thrown or knocked over. Alice gets freaked out, and then out of nowhere, she books it outside, back down to the creek, yelling at Martin, Neil, and myself to come on. I go chasing after her, and she's in tears, having a full-blown panic attack, saying something I can't understand. Finally, I get that she saw someone looking in the window at us. We tell the guys, and literally nobody is around, only the four of us. Since she's so distraught, we decide to go ahead and leave. As we're walking back down the creek bed, heading back the same way we came, which is the only way there, Martin and Neil 
are kicking over these huge rocks. We stop and realize there are huge rocks, I'd say boulders, standing right up in a line the entire way down the creek bed. They couldn't have been there not even 20 minutes prior, because we'd have noticed them as we were now. This seriously freaked all of us out. This is not normal, and this is not natural. We pick up the pace and start to haul ass out of there. We make it to the first drainage tunnel, and we turn on our flashlights. And none of them will turn on. Holy shit, what is happening? Thirty minutes later, we're back at my boyfriend's parents' house, where Alice and Neil's car is parked. Alice gets in the car, because at this point, she's ready to get home and forget this event ever happened. The rest of us are still outside the car. Alice suddenly gets out of the car, screaming and jumping up and down and flying around. She's covered in ants. We are all confused as to what's going on. We look, and they're coming over the back of the seat from the trunk. Neil opens the trunk of his car, and laying in the trunk is this huge, rusty, extremely old wool sock covered in ants. Now, Remember what I said earlier in the story? We had been in and out of the trunk all day long, and there was nothing in their trunk when we left the house, after dropping off the cooler. Now there is a wool sock, covered in ants, that covered their car. This was too much for any of us to even wrap our heads around. Needless to say, we've never been back there, and I, personally, will never go back there. It turns out, the man who used to live in that cabin was named Hubert, and he was often called Huey. My boyfriend had actually been to the cabin once before I ever went, and he found these journals there. The man was an alleged child molester. His journals went into details about his urges. I'm not going to get too much into that, but again, this story is 100% true, and it was honestly the one and only time I've ever encountered something like this. I will never go back to that cabin, ever. Even to this day, talking about it, and right now, I have goosebumps. I can't explain what happened that day. I have no idea what Alice saw that scared her so bad in the window, but I do know boulders do not stand straight up on their own in a line. And nobody could have done it so fast to scare us. Nobody could have messed with our four flashlights. And nobody could have put that old, dirty, ant-infested wool sock in Alice and Neil's car trunk. If you are ever wandering through the woods and come across a random cabin, just leave it alone. You never know who lived there, what they did, and who or what may still be there. Unfortunately, I learned this the very hard and unsettling way. Hey Swamp folks, sorry to interrupt this episode, but today's episode is once again sponsored by our good friends over at HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Fall is busy, but HelloFresh recipes save you time you'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping, and chopping. So you can get back to what really matters most. HelloFresh's family-friendly menu is, is a big win for the back-to-school season with easy, delicious recipes for drama-free dinners. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from each and every week. 
From vegetarian meals and calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options, there's something for everyone to enjoy with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I've been using HelloFresh for around two years now and I really, really enjoy it. So join me and many others in the swamp who are using HelloFresh today. Find out why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped14 and use code SWAMPED14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash SWAMPED14 and use code SWAMPED14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. This story is about how my friends and I went on a camping trip and narrowly escaped death in Oklahoma. It was a crisp morning on October 2nd, 2018. My friends and I were packing our bags for our big camping trip that would include hunting, fishing, and other outdoor activities, and it was coming up in three days. It was just going to be my closest friends. Alex has a short mini mohawk-like hairstyle with dark brown hair with hazelnut eyes and a lean but muscular build, about 5'7". Jenny has short, curly, dirty blonde hair with green eyes and is probably 5'4", as well as Jake's girlfriend. Jake has brown hair, blue eyes, is 6'3", a little pudge, and a viking beard. Connor has medium-length light brown hair with blue eyes and is 5'9". Plus, he also has a lean build. Sam, or Samantha, has bluish hazel eyes with long black hair that went down just below the waist, and is about 5'2", and Corey's girlfriend. Corey has brownish hair with brown eyes, a thin and somewhat muscular build, and stands at 5'8". Ash has straight long brown hair with green eyes, is 5'6", with a little pudge, cute, and beautiful, also my girlfriend, along with me, my dark brown viking hairstyle, dark brown eyes, 6'2 and a little chubby with a lean muscular build. We were all 19 to 23 years old at the time, with me being the youngest. But since our group is rather small, most of us were able to fit into Alex's truck and Corey's car. Three days later, we began traveling. It was about an hour or two until we got to the location of the camping site. Once we arrived, it was about midday. The camping site was just a clearing in the middle of some trees on a hill with a fire pit dug out. There was no wood in the fire pit, so Jake, Connor, and I went into the tree line and started to gather some small logs and sticks. By the time we came back, the sun was a beautiful, orangish pink color, just hanging above the horizon. Jake and I laid the logs down in a circle and placed the sticks in a cone-like shape just barely touching the logs. We needed kindling, so I start raking around the dead grass into little bundles and placed them in the middle and struck a long-reach match. I reached into the middle of the fire pit and saw the tinder starting to smoke. Then, in a split second, a little chunk ignited into flames. I left the match on tinder, and watched as the sticks became a blazing hellscape, and soon calmed down to a nice, warm, crackling dance of flames. By now, it was getting dark, so we quickly set up our tent and sleeping bags. I was sleeping with my girlfriend closest to me on my right, with Alex and Corey two feet away on my left. Jake was sleeping with Jenny, Connor was about three feet away from them. In the morning, I woke up to the smell of something wretched. It was a stench that smelled like rotten flesh mixed with a dog that was doused with sewage water. I pinched my nose closed as fast as I could without waking the others. 
Thankfully, after a few minutes, the odor was gone. I walked out of my tent and proceeded to look around only to notice that no one else was awake but me. I gathered up the guns and materials for hunting and fishing. I woke up everybody. Corey stayed with the girls though. This was only allowed because I knew he wouldn't try anything with Ash or Jenny, unlike Alex which is why I chose him to accompany us on this early morning excursion. All the guys are aware that Alex would do anything to touch the girls. Alex is the reason that Connor has chosen to be single. This is because any girls he manages to get, Alex tries to get them to come to him. Connor is fed up with being cheated on by his friend. To be honest, we don't treat Alex as a friend, but as an acquaintance. So, when the time comes, we will just ditch him and not shed a tear. We walked at least a quarter mile east of camp to a riverbed. I waited for a buck to walk close to the river since we were upwind. As I waited, I saw two rabbits. I shot them with my compound bow. Then I saw it. A 14-point buck. It was a pretty big size, and it would put a lot of meat on the table. I slowed my breathing and aimed my 338 Lapua Barrett Emrad. My sights were locked onto the nape of the buck's neck for almost an instantaneous kill. It dropped to the ground within seconds, and with a loud thud, I proceeded to fast walk over to the buck's corpse. I then call the guys on the radio for some help, and have them come in my direction. Within an hour of my call, I see them come over different sides to help me drag the body back to camp. When we reached the camp, I used the cleaning stand. I think that's what it's called. I gutted the buck and skinned it. I took the skin and tied it to a leather rack and poured a solution so the hide can be tanned and used for a rug later. I cut off the head so it can be taxidermized and mounted on the wall in my dad's man cave that he shares with me. I started cutting up the buck's body into sections so it would be easier to cut into slabs of meat. Once the buck was cut into thick and thin slices and slabs of venison, I grabbed the ice that was in the big cooler and dumped it out while spreading it evenly as possible. I placed the venison in between the layers of ice and closed the cooler. It was getting close to the afternoon, so I took out a couple of pieces of venison and started on the fire. Once the fire was nice and hot, I took the skillet we had and placed it on the stand-up grill that was over the fire. I cooked the venison with a bunch of seasoning and butter and all the good stuff. I then obviously put some greens in there and we went to town. I gave the girls their food first, then Jake, Corey, Connor, me, and Alex last. After everyone has finished eating and praising me for the food, I brushed off their praise. I just said, it's nothing really, I'm just making sure my friends have full stomachs. It was getting dark outside, so I kept the fire going, so we could keep toasty because tonight, it was going to be one of the coldest nights of the month. While we were having fun, I realized I had a few cans of Coke, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew and such, and even some beer. I told everyone that I was going to the vehicles to go get them, and Alex was coming with me. Once we reached the cars, I opened the trunk of Alex's truck and grabbed the drinks. As we walked back, I could have sworn I heard a faint whisper. When we reached back to the camp, I placed the drinks next to Jake considering he is the responsible one of the group. We continued talking while I pulled Alex aside and told him that he better be on his best behavior or I would leave him here with flat tires and no spares. This means he could not try to pick up the girls while he was with us. After the warning, we head back to the campsite with another cooler full of drinks. As I sat down next to Jake, I could have sworn I heard my name again but it sounded like one of the girls in the tree line, just out of sight. But that's not right, because all of them were next to the fire. So I inquired quietly, Hey, did you guys hear that? I thought I heard a whisper or something like that. Jake remarked in a hushed voice. That got me wondering why I kept hearing whispers, 
and why I heard the girls' voices in the woods when they were right by the fire. I couldn't understand why. Later that night, I noticed that I felt like I was being watched while everyone was sleeping and I was sitting out by the fire alone, waiting for the embers to die out. I shined my flashlight all around, but I didn't see much, but I could have swore I saw what looked to be a hulking shadow in the distance, just out of the sight of my light. I tried my best to brush it off, and luckily this was my last night out here, so I was hoping nothing too bad could happen. I kept my fingers crossed, went into the tent, and tried to lay down and just forget about everything. But I swear, all night long, I kept hearing slight whispers. It sounded like all of my friends' voices coming from the trees, saying my name, almost beckoning me to come out there. The next morning, I asked everybody else if they heard it, and nobody seemingly did. So, uh, I don't know, Swamp Dweller. Maybe I'm insane. Maybe I'm just hearing things. But I've never had an experience like this before or after. Nothing seemingly bad happened. But it was one of the most ominous and creepy things that have ever happened to me. I'm sorry if this is anticlimactic. And I really do hope that you share this story. Because I do think it was rather creepy. This happened to me a while back when I decided to go on another camping trip alone. I always liked camping alone. There's something serene and sobering about being isolated in the middle of the wilderness, and I always found it relaxing. So, I planned out what trail I was going to take, packed my camping gear and my rifle for protection, and jumped in my truck. I get to this trail early in the morning and hike about 15 to 20 miles in until I find just the right spot and head off the trail to find a place to put my tent. I stumble upon this nice-sized clearing and decide that it was nice enough. It was a beautiful spot to settle down. I'm exhausted at this point, but set up the tent at the southernmost edge of the clearing, next to the tree line, and manage to get a fire going. I roast up some weenies and start to hear a sound in the distance underneath all the forest noise. It sounded like an animal, most likely a deer, with a lame leg as it sounded like the animal was making a walking or dragging noise. I felt bad for the poor guy, but it was too far away, and it was getting dark, so I couldn't really go find it and put it out of its misery. Thinking nothing of it after a while, I go about eating my food and just enjoying myself. After I eat, I douse out the fire and crawl into my tent and insert myself into my sleeping bag. I decided that even in my exhausted and relaxed state, I can't really go to sleep, so I pull out a book I brought with me and start to read by the light of the lamp. Hours go by, and I hear that strange sound again. This time, though, it's much closer than before, right at the opposite side of the clearing. Surprised, I put my book down and listen to this animal walk or drag across the clearing towards my tent. It's loud at this point, and it now sounds like the hooves are being heavily planted with this dragging noise following seconds after, like the deer is dragging something along. It makes it about what I assume is the middle of the clearing and stops, and I hear nothing. No breathing. I mean, not a single sound emanating from this animal. I unzip the tent and investigate the clearing. Nothing but the trees and darkness are out there. What the heck? Unnerved at this point, I zip the tent back up and sit there listening for other noises. Nothing. 
just the crickets and the breeze. I decided that there are a lot of strange noises in the woods and tried to not let it bother me too much. Besides, I had my rifle. I'd be fine. I start to doze off when I hear men's laughter off in the distance to my right, then woman's laughter and sticks snapping far off to my left. I'm awake now, wondering if what I'm hearing is really actually happening or if this is a product of me being half asleep and paranoid. I hear more faint laughter from a couple of other directions, all different, old men, old women, even children. I confirm that this is real and not my imagination. The noises are coming closer, and I grab my rifle preparing to fire a warning shot in the air in case they come too close. Something about this laughter, how far in I was, the noise earlier, and the time of the night told me that this was not just another family strolling through. I was on edge enough already, but then I noticed that the nightlife was dead quiet. Not even the wind was making any noise. I decided enough was enough. I unzipped the tent and fired a shot into the night. I sat there and surveyed the tree line and saw nothing. I listened intently, with all of my might. I looked all around my surroundings. No laughing. The forest sound had returned, and suddenly... It felt like I could relax, just a bit. Figuring that I scared whatever it was off, I sat down in my exhausted state and fell asleep. I woke up later in a cold sweat, racked with anxiety, and it was still dark outside. I immediately hear two people whisper not too far from my tent. Alert, I grab my rifle and listen to what they're saying. I can't make out much, but I hear something about being lost, so I shout, Hey, who's there? The voices fall silent. I shout out again. Are you guys lost? Who's there? Suddenly, a huge burst of flames, like a flamethrower or something, erupted from the middle of the clearing, illuminating several silhouettes of people just standing around. In shock, I fire my rifle, blowing a hole right through the front of my tent, and then everything goes dark. Without even checking my surroundings, I get up and sprint out of my tent, making a hard left back to where the trail was. I hiked until sunrise back to my truck with my head over my shoulder the entire way. I never heard anyone follow me. I never saw anyone or anything the entire time, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After that, my enjoyment of camping alone left me for good. I left all my gear in the woods that night and never returned and have no plans on ever returning again. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new upload, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to submit to hear in a future episode, whether it's a camping story or something completely different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating as that's incredibly helpful to me over there. If you enjoyed my good friend, Mr. Revenant, who read story number two today, 
please be sure to subscribe to his channel. You can find the links to do so in the description down below. They upload some quality scary content all the time on their YouTube channel. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the show outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.